that, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people, and I've played some, too. And there's one thing I know. People like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? How y'all making this evening? Thanks for joining me here on the Spudcast podcast, talking out my ask with Public Service Commissioner Eric Scametta, uh, old friend of mine. Uh, I called upon him to explain things to me, and usually when we're done with a conversation, I about grasp 80% of it, which was about the same thing with here. But uh, anyway, he'll explain the uh, what happened in Texas, what are rolling blackouts, and what's going on with our grid here on the Spudcast coming up right after this. Spud here. On Friday, two friends told me they had COVID. Monday evening, I started feeling punky. Tuesday morning at 6.30, I was at Rapid Urgent Care getting tested, and by 7 o'clock, I was quarantined. Don't fool around. If you have any symptoms, let the professionals at Rapid Urgent Care diagnose your condition. They've got you covered with eight clinics from Baton Rouge to Bogalusa, from Metairie to Mandeville. You can even visit a doctor online. Mask up and get yourself and your loved ones tested at Rapid Urgent Care. Go to rapidurgentcare.com to find the clinic nearest you. Bud here, do your breakers keep breaking? Do you see a spark when you plug in your hairdryer? If you do, I want you to remember one thing. 947-3392. That's Eugene Lawrence's number at E1 Electric. Let's face it, you don't know nothing about electricity, but Eugene does. A licensed and insured electrical contractor, over 25 years experience, him and his crew can do anything for you, from hanging a ceiling fan to rewiring an apartment complex. So before you hear this, you better hear this. Thanks for calling E1 Electric. How can we help you? E1 Electric, 504-947-3392. Hey, what you gonna do this weekend? You can't go dancing and go to the show because the Corona Cootie's back with a vengeance. Oh, I got an idea. Go fishing. Yeah, get yourself a licensed and insured guide on lasaltwater.com. They got a guide for everything and every place. Inshore fishing, offshore fishing, fly fishing, kayak fishing, bow fishing, you name it fishing. And at lasaltwater.com, there's pictures and videos galore from all the happy fishermen and women and kids. And Don't be the one that got away. Go to lasaltwater.com and book your charter today. All right, so we're talking to uh, Eric Schumacher of the uh, Public Service Commission, who, how long have I known you? 20, going up on 23 years? Uh, it's, I think you've known me before I've had kids, so it's probably 23, 24 years. Well, I know that I ran, we met, me and Eric ran against each other. Uh, that and, in the year and, 2000. Yeah, so my son was, uh, he was an infant during that election, and he is now uh 22 so, there you go there you go yeah he was and he was in uh he was in uh pre-k with your uh with your daughter that's right and she's 22 in september anything yeah. so there you go that's about right classy classy young lady too and your son now what what's he doing now he's all right so he's long snapping well but... now he's in now he's a goalie in lacrosse dude His football season's over and he's getting ready to graduate from high school well, I'll tell you what, I learned how to juggle in, in grad school to uh, to do this play. And one of the things we got to juggle with were lacrosse balls because they bounce really good. They're nice and dense. But if that thing hits you in the face, it's going to hurt. That's going to hurt a well, lot. They do have face guards and body pads and all well, those things. So let's, let's he's, hope. He, he's got a little big covering for him, so he's okay. Better him than me, baby. All right, yes, so sir. Public Service Commission, you, uh, you've been on there. You just got reelected to your third term, so you're now turning it out after this thing. Uh, this is that I'm term limited. Yeah. But you've been doing a lot of stuff. I mean, during your uh, tenure, rates have gone down. Correct. Uh, 
but we just had this big freeze and uh frankly you know a lot of rolling blackouts now and uh, people need to understand too you are the public service commission for the state of louisiana you do not control new orleans that is the, the city council deals with new orleans you're the rest of the state is that correct correct okay so what happened in new orleans you can't answer to you might have a, a, a better understanding than the rest of us, but you got no say-so about that. So let's talk about, first off, explain Texas to me. They've got, they are completely independent of the rest of the country. They've got their own grid, and apparently um, it's a lot older than a lot of people let know. Well, it's not exactly correct. I, I mean, every state is interconnected, and but Texas has its own uh, basically transmission organization called ERCOT. And uh, it covers about 90% of Texas. But Texas is sort of unusual in the sense that it has a regulated portion of Texas and it has an unregulated portion of Texas. And the regulated portion is runs about, call it a penny higher than Louisiana rates. Louisiana still enjoys the lowest utility rates in the country. Um, but on their unregulated side, uh, Texas kind of runs about double uh, Louisiana's utility rates in the unregulated portion. Uh, on and then what happened over in Texas is Texas has, over the last 12 years or so, uh, gone with a rather uh, large uh, amount of work in uh, adding in uh, wind turbines mm -hmm. as well as as well as solar. Uh, they took advantage of the federal production tax credit, which uh, the U.S. taxpayers paid for a very large portion of those generators um, through that. Um, so I paid and, for that, but I ain't, I ain't been, unless I move over there and get a Motel 6 or something. Otherwise, uh, Pretty much. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the that's about, uh, Texas has about 33,000 megawatts of wind power. And at the height of this, you know, terrible, you know, historic winter event, mm -hmm. about 730 megawatts were running out of that 33,000. Uh, wow. They were just, they were shut down. Uh, you know, wind is one of those things where when it's extremely cold or extremely hot, uh, the wind turbines don't produce. Um, I mean, they the, actually froze. I saw pictures, but, um, you know, you can't so, trust everything. Some got, some got coated in ice and froze. Some uh, just on the backside of those fronts, they just stall and it gets cold and there's no wind. And wind is erratic and wind is unreliable. In fact, uh, uh, Congressman Crenshaw put it very, uh, he, he really coined it when he said, you know, we look at these as being renewables and non-renewals. What we need to be looking at is calling them reliables and unreliables. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we looked at the wind power in Texas and also the solar uh, fields in Texas were affected because when they get a foot of so, uh, fit of snow on them, they or even ice on them, or even heavy rain, the solar uh, fields do not really generate. So yeah. well, they got to be in sunshine, and uh, if there ain't no know, sunshine, if they're too cloudy, then they're not going right. to generate that much. And, and so that was about uh, that was one big problem. The other big problem is, and it wasn't that the natural gas froze in the pipes because it never got that cold, but there was a lot of controlled units and and booster stations that were affected by cold weather that affected machinery in some way. That's, you know, these are things that, you know, look, some things go wrong in systems and you work on that. But 
Uh, there were other problems in Texas, um, and that uh, we're investigating that right now, where we were looking at uh, natural gas contract providers, traders, that uh, did not deliver gas to natural gas generators, both in Texas and in Louisiana, and caused shortages in the amount of electricity available. And, uh, were and, they were they blaming that on the ice storm because trucks full of natural gas couldn't get where they were going? No, it was pipeline delivery. And what they were blaming it on is the cold weather. What they really were looking at and what we're looking at is that they saw the market prices of gas in some parts of Texas go from three, four, five dollars to go up to twelve hundred and fifty dollars. And so they invoked force majeure clauses, act of God clauses, which are not designed for that kind of uh, moment. Mm -hmm. And then they sent that gas to the market, which is where that unregulated market had a free for all and drove prices up. But that market's not connected to the Louisiana market. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that price gouging? I mean, if somebody normally gets a thousand uh, like dollars for a 500 uh, watt generator. I yeah. have brought that to the highest authorities in the state and they say that it's not price gouging. But again, that didn't really affect us because our prices are in a different market. Our prices are, you know, if you look at Henry Hub prices in Louisiana, we were at like $3.17. Our prices are sometimes even below $2. So we were fine with that. We just weren't getting fuel. But we still in Louisiana largely never ran out of electricity. Now, we had a lot of people who didn't have electricity simply because we had a lot of ice damage, much like a hurricane. They had branch branches down, trees down, power lines knocked down like you would in a hurricane mm -hmm. that had to be repaired. And we had difficulty because of ice on the roads, trucks moving. And it was just a general, you know, a, a, a multitude of factors in the equation that slowed down recovery to a degree that required temperatures to rise to get some of that ice out of the way, okay? Mm -hmm. But Louisiana never really had a generation element. We had enough surplus generation to keep power going. Now, uh, where Texas did not, and Texas had a lot of its natural gas plants uh, didn't make it. So Texas also had, an, had some interesting problems that happened with um, its de declaration of a natural disaster, the acting uh, Secretary of Energy for the uh, United States, I think his name is David Wazinga, uh, he authorized uh, Texas to basically light every power plant they had, including old ones that mm -hmm. were uh, decommissioned because of violation of uh, air uh, constraints and discharge constraints, but automatically set pricing, which we're questioning the ability of the secretary to do that, uh, from what was an average price of $50 a megawatt in Texas to $1,500 a megawatt in Texas. Yeah. Okay. And that sort of started driving this equation in Texas even more like in a, in a whirlwind. So now what we're seeing this morning, and we're, we're starting to review, uh, Brazos Electric Cooperative is filing bankruptcy. Uh, we can anticipate more bankruptcies in Texas. Um, it could Be, even because achieve, because of lawsuits against them because of this or the fact that they're they're there, there's just no way that these co-ops and these other folks that receive power can pay the bill. Yeah, I these bills you. are the city of Denton, Texas, went from an average of I think ninety seven million dollars a year is their electricity bill, and their bill for that five day period was two hundred eighty seven million dollars. Oh so, yeah. So you know yeah, these yeah. are these are bills that aren't going to get paid and. This is 
we're starting to look at this just as a study element that this is going to be almost like another Enron event, which is going to be a major bankruptcy and a major investigation. And we're going to look at this because, you know, ERCOT, which coordinates that, um, of its uh, dozen or so board members, six of them didn't even live in Texas. The head of ERCOT lives in Toronto, Canada. They resigned on Wednesday of last week. They had their state investigation on Thursday that the governor called there. And uh, a lot of the ones who, uh, in fact, I think everyone who was not a resident of Texas resigned and uh, skipped out on going to the uh, the hearing. So they cut and run, yeah. Uh, kind of sounds that way. Wait, let me ask but... you that. I got to step away for a second, but let me ask you this. Sure. Uh, the Secretary of Energy, allow, uh, he said, go ahead and light up all your, even the ones that have been closed down. How fast can you light up something like that? If it's been decommissioned, how long would it take to crank something like that back up again? Well, my guess is, uh, in, in it takes better part of a day once they, you know, what they got to do. So they could have done it. Oh, they, they did do they it. Did they do. they caught back up, but yeah. it took them a while to get those, you know, uh, those basically mothballed units back up and running. But they still couldn't overcome the complete shortage of what was going on in Texas. I got you. And nobody anticipated that that big. I mean, if he'd have called it ahead of time and go, why don't you go ahead and crank these things back up and just in case. Well, yeah. the, the head of, I mean, the governor declared the emergency in Texas, I believe on the either the 13th or 14th of February, the uh, head of ERCOT reached out to the Secretary of Energy in that same time frame and uh, seen the copy of the letter that the Secretary of Energy executed, but with the constrictions in it. And you know, it was a, uh, you know, a four or five day period of time, which Texas was impacted. Texas was impacted in, in, you know, in some serious ways besides the fact of uh, the electricity, but electricity, uh, the water systems were grossly affected. And because homes didn't have any heating, uh, pipes were freezing in houses. So uh, Mm -hmm. there are billions of dollars in damage to uh, interior pipes in people's homes. Uh, interior sheetrocking. Uh, so there is a tremendous yeah. impact on damages across the state of Texas. From is that. this bigger Which, than is this bigger than uh, the hurricane that flooded Houston real bad? Oh, this is probably uh, I would say to a degree it is going to be a multiple of that yeah. of interior damage of homes component. Cool. I got to step away. I gotta, all right. I got to step away for a second. When we come back. Yeah, because I'm way over time already. Eric Scrimet is my guest. And we're talking about uh, the big freeze. So we had a pretty good explanation of, I think I understand what happened in Texas. Now I got to make sure I understand what's happening here. All right. Spudcast podcast, talking out my ass with Eric Scrimetta back right after this. Does the sound of thunder strike fear in your home? There's only one sure way to fix a flooding problem. Home team elevation. End the worry. Stop insurance rate hikes. Get your flooding problem fixed now with the home team advantage. Experienced, hands-on, local owners. You want design choices? On the home team, you're the MVP. So don't wait. Elevate with home team elevation because the flood stops here. Get your free quote at 3011222. Or go to hometeamelevation.com. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee, and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish coffee has the taste you're looking for. From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, 
French vanilla or king cake or you name it, Parish Coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market. Or order it online, have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. Spud here. You know, the last couple of years, I got to be buddies with attorney Mike Brandner. The guy Gambit readers have voted the state's best lawyer two years running. Yeah, he, he's been on that super lawyers list longer than I can remember. But you don't make it number one on those lists because you have witty commercials. You make it because you treat your clients like they're number one. And that's what Mike Brander does. His clients are like his friends. He helps them through the tough times until he can get them a big check from the big insurance companies. So if you're in a wreck, get the big guy in your corner. Get Mike Brander, 345-1111. And we're back on the Spudcast podcast talking out my ask with Public Service Commissioner Eric Scrimetta. And we're talking about, we just spent uh, a good 10, 12 minutes talking about taxes. Let's talk about here. Sure. Um, they had rolling blackouts in New Orleans. You can't comment on that really because you don't control New Orleans. You control the state. I have a generator. When Zeta came through, uh, the power was out four, four and a half some odd days over here. Not in my house. I mean, my generator was running. We used, we let people come and like plug in their coffee pots and their cell phones out out here. Um, well, but you talk about natural gas. I mean, what is the possibility well, of natural gas well, not flooding my house, man? Well, let me let me put it this way: the power was out during the hurricane because of damage to the infrastructure. Yeah, it, it wasn't out because there was no electricity. When we're looking at this cold weather event, Louisiana fared very well. There were some issues where people, you know, we were getting notices of rolling blackouts, uh, load shedding events. Um, to put that in perspective, I think that the uh, regional transmission organization, which is MISO, the Mid-Continent Independent Service Organization, which controls dispatch and controls the, the transmission in the state, uh, not the utilities, not Entergy, Clico, or Swepco, um, or Swepco's with the Southwest Power Pool. But anyway, they, they don't control that. This MISO group and uh, controls the, the big swath of it. And, you know, they put the word out that they're going to do load shedding. And I think a lot of people think, oh, well, the power is going to be out for days. When realistically, these load shedding events lasted between 10 minutes and 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then it happened once and it didn't happen again. And the reason load shedding occurs is because because we did have some power plants that were affected by not getting natural gas supply because their contracts were not fulfilled, that we did have power shortages and that power was being moved around the state, that you get you know electron congestion on these power transmission lines, and that if you don't manage how you flow the electricity, you could cause damage to the system. So instead of having the damage to the system, they de-energize portions of the system. And so you get 10 to 90 minutes of a disruption instead of burning out a system and having six months of a disruption. Because and how much would that cost, by the way? If they, had, if they hadn't done the, the 10 to 90 minute things and had burned out some of these things, what, what, what kind of checkbook would I have to whip out then? It could be anywhere from 100 million to five or six billion dollars in costs. That's so these are these are decisions that you have to make quickly. Now, we're working on making communications better because, and also, I want MISO to educate the the uh, the press more because they didn't really understand what they do, and uh, you know we've got to get them out and explain what happened because a lot of times what happens is MISO is working with the control rooms at the power plants and they work on a, on a two minute cycle. 
So by the time they tell him, look, we're going to do a load shedding event in block number 22, and it's going to be for 20 minutes. And then the, the head office or the business office of that utility sends out the word, well, the load shedding either happened already or they changed their mind and they managed it differently and didn't have to do the load shedding because we did get some notifications of load shedding that never happened. Mm -hmm. So, so there are some, there's a little bit of a contradictory notification to the public. A lot of it is communications and, you know, we're going to work on that to make that better for the public. It's a, is it better? I mean, for me, it would be better to be told that, you know what, this may happen. Be ready for right. it. It might not, it right. might, but it, 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 you know, it's going well, it, to well, happen all, somewhere. Right, it might be right, you. Right. Well, we're always going to tell the public that it could happen. The question is always going to be, should, you know, the public should be educated in advance to understand that load shedding is not going to be a, a multiple day event. It's going to be a multiple minute event if it happens because, mm. and it happens in a moment like that, it's simply there to save the system, to correct an imbalance, and then get the power back on, okay? Where we still had people during that event who didn't have power, and that was because they had ice problems. You know, they, they literally had the same kind of damage you get in a hurricane, but they had it from ice, from branches and trees, yeah. falling on distribution lines, knocking their power, and these guys have to go fix it. And because it was ice and not like wind, which kind of concentrates damage in a certain place. That ice made sporadic outages all over the place. So you'd have like two guys out in one part of the woods who had their power go out and three people over here. So they had to hop around a lot to get these things fixed. So yeah. it did take a while to get it done more than. But that's damage. Like you said, though, that's damage to the equipment. That's not that's like, right. that's not a rolling blackout. A rolling blackout right. is, it's like, it's like it switches opening and closing. It's not like there's somebody out there like they do on a train track where they got to twist the thing and make the track go. Right. And you can't call it a rolling blackout because that's not what this is. It is a designed, uh, they call it load shedding, but look, it's blackout. It's a designed blackout for a section. Okay. It's not going to go to the next place like immediately. They're looking at sections all over the state. They're looking at the transmission system where it functions. And they are looking to design it to present, pr protect uh, substations, transmission lines, and the actual generators themselves, the power plants. So they don't want like feedback because uh, I'll give you an example. You know that um, a lot of people wire their, uh, and wrongfully, wire their hot wire, their generators into their house after a hurricane yeah. so they can run everything. Well, when the utility guys come in the neighborhood, they got to go and investigate all that first so they could tell them to turn it off. Because if a guy gets up on a pole and he thinks it's dead and he touches it, he could be injured severely or even killed by yeah. the backflow. And that backflow is the same kind of thing that you got to fight when you're fighting on how to move these electrons along. So it's, uh, it's a necessary evil to take protective measures to protect the system. But it's not like it's just washing through the whole area. They knock out specific little targets and mm -hmm. for very little time to make sure that they protect the system. And on that, you know, I hate to say it, but they did a good job on that. But nobody wants anybody to be without electricity. No, but the and fact is, they would. I would rather be out of electricity for 90 minutes 
than have my right. bill come in that we got to pay, you know, $150 uh, million dollars to fix something because, right. you know, they instead well, of it being turned off, it's some kind of stuff overloaded and broken. Then now, yeah, now I'm out and, of juice for six months. Right. And look, you and I both know that the one thing that the utilities want to do is sell electricity. So yeah. they don't want to be turned off. You know, so, but the decision is not made by the utilities. The decision is made by an independent third party that is there to secure and protect the grid and the generation fleet. And they do not rely on influence from the utilities to do so. So they act in the best interest of the community. They act in so, the, they're, they're the right. grid watchers. They are the grid watchers. We have independent market monitors through them, independent uh, grid control, independent dispatch, and we have a market with them. So, you know, they, they do their job. They are a nonprofit, and they did their job on this to take corrective action to protect the system. Now, that's and at the it, same time, what is a rolling blackout? Because you hear that term, rolling blackout. Oh, and that's I think that's from the old days when you know a utility would just like lose it and have a cascade where it just starts at one part of their system and rolls through the entire like uh, multiple state event, like they used to have in the 1960s where it would roll like through the eastern seaboard. They call it a rolling blackout because they mm -hmm. just keep going. Well, since then, they've used some good engineering and figure out how to not to have that happen. So we don't really have... So that term is really blackout. not correct anymore, pretty much no matter so. where. Okay. I don't think so. I think it's load shedding in specific zones. You got to look at that. But the important thing is when people hear load shedding or they hear a schedule blackout, they need to understand that it is not like a hurricane. It's not going to be very long and it's only going to be done to take corrective and preventative action to protect the system and everything will be back to normal pretty quick. So people just need to now be aware of that, which is why I asked you to come on and explain this. So right. those things can happen. If, if, if there's damage to the system, that's one thing that needs to be fixed. These things are could be, like you said, from 10 minutes to 90 minutes, but that keeps the system from breaking down and for you having to spend hundreds of millions. And about a minute and a half that I got left. Yes. What, what, how, 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 how is our, how is our grid doing? Okay. I mean, are we, how susceptible are we to whatever? Well, it's pretty clear. We didn't have the same problems Texas did. We, we've, we, we constantly are improving our transmission grid and our distribution grid. And uh, we, and when I say constantly, I mean, it is nonstop every day. We are also uh, look at our reliability of our generation fleet or the reliability of dispatch to make sure that we get this. Now, we opened up an investigation into these uh, natural gas contracts uh, last Wednesday at our latest public service commission meeting, because we're gonna make sure that these guys understand that when they make a contract, they're going to live up to it. So we're going to figure that out, and uh, we're going to uh, make the contracts, you know, for a better word, as as draconian as possible, that mm -hmm. they're going to have to commit to providing the service, or they're going to not worry about providing the service in the first place. And, and uh, I mean, like you said, the excuses they're going to use is the storm. I mean, again, most of these things are well, pipeline transactions. But is there a situation <clears throat> where ice, road, ice will shut down a road and a truck can't deliver stuff, and then somebody's going to be out of juice until they get well, gas? I can tell you that natural gas is delivered to every power plant by pipeline. Okay. There is not a single one that is receiving it by truck. So this is all pipeline work. Instead of delivering, uh, they claim, quote, force majeure, 
which is the inability to deliver because of some preventative element, but yet that gas that they had went into the market in Texas and got sold for a higher price. And yeah, so, but that ain't price gouging. Well, it's not price gouging, but we're going to be investigating it. Yeah. Are you investigating it just because you're a disinterested party per se, because you're Louisiana, you're not Texas? So you're like no, aiding we, in no, this investigation yeah. or are you just no, doing no, it because no. we want to know? No, no. We've got skin in the game because they didn't deliver to several of our power plants in the state of Louisiana. Ah. So, so we've got skin in the game on this. We are going to constrict how companies contract for gas. We are going to ensure that there are liquidated damages that would provide for any losses for having to find gas from other sources on that element. We are going to have bonding requirements. So we're going to find out what went wrong. We are going to analyze the situation and we are going to, through corrective supervisory contracts, make sure that we do everything we can do to make sure it doesn't happen again. Cool. And look, we had at one point surplus electricity and as a good neighbor, we sent some of it to Texas to help them out. But we always provide for the state of Louisiana first. Gotcha. Cool. I'm out of time. Got to yes, get sir. you back on again. Anyway, nice to talk to you. Take Eric Scrimetta, Public Service Commission, with some answers about uh, electricity and blackouts and the whole shebang. Back with more on the podcast right after this. Are you ready to launch? The American Space Alliance wants to accelerate and support space exploration for the benefit of all Americans, and not just for national pride. You know how many products are created by and for NASA that we use every day? Scratch-resistant lenses, dust busters, LASIK eye surgery, solar cells, firefighting equipment, LEDs, insulin pumps. The list just keeps on growing, and it needs to keep on growing, because the next generation of space exploration has arrived, and the American Space Alliance and NASA want you to be involved. You can follow ASA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Go to exploreasa.org to find out more. Ready to wave bye-bye to this rotten year? Then get the greatest holiday gift of 2020, the iWave air purifier from Serentine Comfort Systems. This proven ion technology kills molds, allergens, bacteria, even viruses, including COVID-19. Serentine can install the iWave right in your existing AC unit. No UV bulbs, no filters, no maintenance, and all for about 25 bucks a month. Call your iWave dealer, Serentine Comfort Systems, at 504 504-833-8831. 504-833-8831. Okay, so uh, Eric Scrimetta of the uh, Public Service Commission, uh, that was a good explanation, and there are investigations going on about how, uh, about how Texas screwed us a little bit. Anyway, I hope you understand a little bit more about power generation. I do. I didn't really get it before. We had extra electricity. It's like they keep it in some kind of like hope chest or something. But uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, you can find the Spudcast uh, podcast on uh, Red Circle and Spotify and... Uh, Public Radio and Google and Stitcher and a bunch of others. And also my Facebook page of Spud's Friends and Fans, John McConnell and The Big Teasy. And on uh, Twitter at SpudGotDat. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the Spudcast or if you want to receive the Spudcast directly through email, contact me at thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com. Thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, y'all have a great rest of the week. I'll see you guys this Sunday, but uh, I'm a going pecone.